0: Jeez. Recorded live. We want to thank everyone for tuning in to another edition of the Bible Show Truth Hour here on POET Radio. And we have a part five of our series, For God So Love the World, tonight. Again, part five of our series, For God So Love the World, tonight. And so I'm excited about it because we started this about... Uh, maybe about a month ago, we started this about a month ago, and we're getting ready to get right up to the point where we wanted to be, which was Passover. So hang on, hang on, brothers and sisters, hang on, hang on to your seats because it's about to get a little bit deeper tonight. We're going to go over briefly what we had discussed on previous, um, the previous four parts that we dealt with, and we're going to lead right up to tonight's part, which is God fulfills his promise, which is tonight's show. God fulfills his promise. We're going to go ahead and set up the Facebook Live so that you guys can call in. Um, I think that we're on Facebook Live. Yes, we are. We want to welcome everybody to the Bible Show Truth Hour here on P-O-E-T Radio. And tonight's Bible lesson is For God So Loved the World Part 5 god fulfills his promise again this is part five of for god to love the world god fulfills his promise so we started this thing off um back about about a month ago i want to say brothers and sisters about a month ago and we're picking it up right here uh, we're going to go back over in a moment all the parts that we did touch on and then we're going to bring you right until today um right into today um, if you see us on Facebook Live, share this video right now. Again, if you see us on Facebook Live, share this video right now, brothers and sisters, right now. We're going to go ahead and also set up our YouTube listeners. For our YouTube listeners, we're going to go ahead and set up for that also as well. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get ready and start our show. We're going to go ahead and get ready and start our show. I want to welcome you. Go get your Bibles right now. Go get your pen. Go get your paper. And go get, brothers and sisters, everything that you need to take down this lesson. Because after today, I promise you, you're going to learn something that you did not know. And um, you're going to be able to teach this thing if you take notes. If you take these notes down, you're going to be able to teach um, this lesson also as well. So let me go ahead and um, get this thing going, start this thing, share this video with a couple of other sources. And um, get ready for the Bible show truth hour here on P O E T Radio. Let me go ahead and unmute our brother Joe. Go ahead and unmute our brother Joe, who's our reader for tonight. Let me bring our brother on, our brother Joe, who's our reader for tonight, and um, get him on. Um, Joe, press star eight on your phone so that we can find you. Press star eight on your phone so that we can find you, my brother. Central. Alabama, there you go. How you doing tonight, Brother
1: Joe? All is well, Brother. I can't complain. How, how about yourself?
0: I'm doing well, my brother. I'm excited about tonight's show. I want to welcome Alaska, who's in the building. I want to welcome all the um, brothers and sisters who are watching out there on tonight's show, Bible Show Truth Hour. Again, we are on Facebook Live. Go and share this video right now, brothers and sisters. Go and share this video right now, because we are going to touch on um, the Passover, did you know that the Passover is this Monday coming up? The Passover is this Monday coming up. Now, the world, we, we don't hear anything about the Passover right now, but we hear about Easter coming up. And we spoke on Easter on our previous show, and I think that was part three, God's feast days versus man's holidays. And we showed you how Easter, according to Bible, is against Christ. And the word against covers the prefix anti. So, against means anti. So, if the worship of a god or a goddess, which is what Easter is, she's a goddess. If the the worship of a goddess or a god other than the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the god of this Bible, it becomes anti, brothers and sisters, because it's a breaking of the first commandment of the Ten Commandments. So, uh, we're excited again about this show, and we're going to go ahead and start things off, brothers and sisters. I'm going to go ahead and welcome our YouTube listeners um, to the show, and we're going to go ahead and start our recording. Are you ready, Brother Joe? I'm ready, brother. We're, it's going to get deep tonight, brother. It's going to get real deep tonight, my brother. Uh, let me go ahead and start the recording for our YouTube listeners. And. Um, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, then subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, brothers and sisters. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. So we're going live on YouTube in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome YouTube listeners, and this is part five of For God So Love the World. Now, let me go ahead and take you guys back. Part one for God so love the world was a breakdown of the scripture in John. Three sixteen for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son um, that those who believed on Him may not perish but have everlasting life. Now we explain in that particular part, part one, that it didn't say for God to so love this world; it said for God to so love the world. So the world He was talking about was not the world that is the one who which is ran by Satan, the world that we live in now, which is why we have so many um, uh, famines and diseases and pestilence and attacks and terrorist attacks and wars. This is Satan's world. So God didn't say, or the scripture didn't say, for God so loved this world. It said, for God so loved the world. So it was talking about that world that is to come, that world that Jesus spoke about in the Lord's Prayer when he said, thy kingdom come. Your kingdom is coming here. So part two was, Jesus checks out his creation up close. We showed you that Jesus had been to this world several times before Mary. Again, he had been to this world several times before Mary. We showed you that he walked through the camp of Israel. And he said that when you go and have to relieve yourself, when you have to do number two, when you have to have a bowel movement, go outside the camp and take a shovel with you And when you relieve yourself, cover up that with dirt. So, brothers and sisters, so when I walk through the camp, I won't step in or be in any foul thing or unclean thing, brothers and sisters. The next one was part three, God's feast days versus man's holidays. We showed you that all of God's feast days were listed in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. And if you were celebrating a day that was not listed in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, brothers and sisters, then we were in error. Then we were in error. So we couldn't find Easter in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, although man puts it as one of God's holidays or religious holidays, but it is not according to the word of God. We couldn't find Christmas in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, although man puts this up as the, the Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, was Jesus really the reason for the season when the holiday was created? No, this holiday, this holiday was created with Jesus nowhere in mind, brothers and sisters. Matter of fact, it was created before Jesus came in the flesh. It just wasn't called Christmas at that time. It was the day that they worshipped the sun god, Horus. Another lesson for another time. Verse 4, which was last week. Verse four was, I mean, I'm sorry, part four was religion versus spirituality. We did that last week, religion versus spirituality, and we showed you how religion has this traditions, And some of the traditions that religion has does not match up with what's written in the Bible. What's written in the Bible are words that are spiritual, brothers and sisters, but when we come back, and we add things to the Word and say, well, you can't do this or you can't do that because these are our religious organizational rules. And then you place that as if it is the Word of God, brothers and sisters, you have just added to the Word of God. And that leads us to today. God fulfills His promise. This is part five. And next week will be the final part to, for God to love the world. We lead right up into Passover. And again... You should know the time. Passover is Monday, April the 10th. Monday, April the 10th is Passover, brothers and sisters. Last Monday was the first day of God's new year. Because remember, the Passover is 14 days after the first month of the year at evening. So Passover is on April the 10th. You subtract 14 days from April the 10th, you get March. 27th, New Year's Day. God's New Year's Day. I know you haven't heard this, brothers and sisters, but go back and listen to parts 1, 2, 3, and 4. And subscribe to this group page so that you can get all these lessons. Now, let's go ahead and start part 5. God fulfills His promise. What promise are we talking about? That God fulfills. What, what are we talking about? God fulfills His promise, brothers and sisters. What promise was it that God had written in his word that we're talking about that he fulfilled. Well, we're going to read that. Brother Joe, are you ready? I'm ready, brother. We're going to start this off in the book of Isaiah, one of God's prophets, one of of the most important prophets in this book, brothers and sisters. We're going to start off here because we got to find out in this book what God's promise was in order to show you that it was fulfilled, brothers and sisters. Go ahead, Brother Joe. Isaiah 9 and 6. God fulfills his promise on the Bible Show Truth Hour 9 and 6. Share this video.
1: For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace.
0: Wow. I want you to check this out, brothers and sisters, because this is leading into something deep. He said, for unto us, a son is given, brothers and sisters. A son wouldn't be a female. It would be a male. Unto us, a son is given. So now, here it is. In the New Testament, we have a birth of this boy, this child that the angel commanded the mother and the assumed father to call Jesus. We just read about that promise in the book of Isaiah, the ninth chapter, verse six, brothers and sisters, that there was a promise of a child that was about to be born. So now, all the way in the book of Isaiah, it talks about a child being born. Let's go ahead to Isaiah 7, Isaiah 7 and 14.
1: Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means God is with us, brothers and sisters.
0: Which means God is with us. So, first of all, the son is going to be born. That's the first promise. The second promise is he's going to be born of a virgin. That's the second promise, brothers and sisters. Now, we ain't nowhere near the New Testament. We're all the way in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, unto us a son is given, a child is born, and he's going to be born of a virgin. The question is, did these two things take place according to the Bible, according to the word of God, according to
1: what we read in Scripture,
0: the answer is, is yes, brothers and sisters, and I'm glad that you guys have joined. Please share this video right now. I'm asking each and every one of you all to just hit the share button just this one time. We're talking about God fulfilling His promise, brothers and sisters. So let's read about the third promise, brothers and sisters. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to the book of Isaiah, um, to the book of Matthew, to the book of Matthew chapter two, and find out. What happened in the book of Matthew, chapter 2, then we're going to go back to the Old Testament and see if it was written about before it actually happened. Matthew, chapter 2, verse 4 through 6.
1: Matthew, chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. Go ahead, my brother. And when he had gathered all the chiefs, priests, scribes scribes of people, together he the man of them, where Christ should be born.
0: So stop right there. Here it is, King Herod is calling all of his chief priests, those who are supposed to know the signs, those who are supposed to know the scripture. He's calling them again. And don't you think Donald Trump don't have chief priests surrounding him and these leaders of these worlds don't have these chief priests these spiritual guides around them, brothers and sisters, every leader has had them. Every king has had them. And he said, King Herod, I'm going to gather my chief priests and my scribes, those who write, those who know about writing and the writings that were already down on the books to be foretold, the predictions, the prophecies. I'm going to gather all my people around, and I'm going to gather them and demand from them where this Christ should be born let's continue brother Joe tell me where this Christ should be born
1: Matthew 2 and 5 and they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judah for thus in the written it is written by the prophets
0: so wait a minute he's going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea how did they know this brothers and sisters they came right back at Matthew 2 and 5 and said, For thus it is written by the prophet. It's written by the prophet. Now, we just read in the book of Isaiah where it said that a government shall be upon his shoulders, he shall should be a ruler. Well, if a government shall be upon his shoulders and he's governing, that makes him a governor. Well, let's read in Matthew 2 and 6 to see what
1: it says, Um, Brother Joe. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not least among the prince of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. So, So, brothers and
0: sisters, what we just read in the book of Isaiah is being duplicated or reiterated by these spiritual guides, these chief priests, these scribes, by telling them that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. A government is going to be upon his shoulders. But remember, in the book of Isaiah, we didn't read nothing about Bethlehem. So where can we find Bethlehem at in the Old Testament where it predicts that this baby who's going to be born of a virgin is going to be a male child? We read those books in the book of Isaiah. But where can we, and also in Isaiah, we read that a government shall be upon his shoulders. But where can we read that he was going to be born in Bethlehem? Because maybe we got the wrong baby. Maybe the Christ that we were expecting was going to be born in another place in Israel. Another city, not Bethlehem. Well, let's go to the book of Micah, the fifth chapter, verse two. Micah, the fifth chapter, verse 2. See if we can find anything written in the prophets where it talks about that this baby that we read about, this boy, that is born of a virgin. Let's see if we can get a geographical location as to where it says that this baby shall be born. Micah, 5 and 2. Micah, 5 and 2. But
1: thou Bethlehem. Ephrathah thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, who is going forth have been from, from of old, from everlasting.
0: But wait a minute. In the book of Micah, the fifth chapter of the second verse, it says that this child is going to be born in Bethlehem. So it appears, it, by, by all means of the evidence that we have put forth on this show thus far, it points to this baby, Jesus, born of a virgin, Mary, in the town of Bethlehem, brothers and sisters. So God is fulfilling his promise that was written. God is fulfilling his promise. We read it in the book of Matthew, and then we went back and confirmed it in the Old Testament. That's why the Bible states that we have a sure word in prophecy. If you're doubting things that you see in the New Testament, from the book of Matthew to Revelation, if if you're doubting some of that, all you got to do is confirm it. Go back to the Old Testament. It's going to confirm it, brothers and sisters. Now, Let's go and see if we can identify the year that Jesus was born in. Now, there's nothing in this book that says that Jesus was born on december the twenty third We can't read that in the book. We can't even read that Jesus was born in the winter time in this book, brothers and sisters. Now, let's go ahead and go to the book of Luke the second chapter. Luke, the second chapter, turn your Bibles to the book of Luke, the second chapter. Those who just tuned in, you tuned into to the Bible show, Truth Hour, on P-O-E-T radio. This is part five of For God to Love the World. Tonight's subject is God fulfills his promise. What we're doing, brothers and sisters, and what we have been doing for the past five weeks is leading you up to the Passover. The Passover takes place This upcoming Monday, not Easter, Passover, coming up, this upcoming Monday, April the 10th, brothers and sisters, are you going to honor it? The Bible commands us to honor it. Are we going to honor it? The Bible commands us to honor it. Or are you going to substitute God's day for man's day, Easter? God fulfills his promise. You know what a covenant is? It's an agreement. It's a contract between two individuals. God said, I'm going to fulfill my promise to you, and all I want you to do is fulfill your promise unto me. Follow my statutes, my laws, and my commandments. Luke, the second chapter. We're in the book of Luke, the second chapter. Let's find out the circumstances surrounding the birth of this baby by the name of Jesus. Let's go ahead.
1: Luke, the second chapter, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a discreet from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed.
0: So Caesar set out a decree that I'm going to tax the whole world that Rome is ruling. I'm going to tax the whole world. See, that's why Joseph and Mary had to travel because the man had to pay taxes. Let's go ahead and continue at verse 2.
1: And his texting was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria.
0: So we got to find out when Serenius was governor. We got to find out when Caesar, Augustus, out the decree that the whole world that they ruled should be taxed. And then, when we find those things out, we can actually find out the year that Jesus was born in. But don't worry about it, because I've done the homework. I've done the research.
1: Let's go ahead and do verse 3. And all went to be taxed, everyone, into his own city. So now, brothers and sisters, the city that Joseph was from,
0: was called Bethlehem, city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. So whether you use the term Nazareth or Bethlehem, it all coincides in the same, brothers and sisters. Let's go ahead and read it, Brother um, Joe, Luke 2
1: and 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem.
0: So what do we read right here? That the city of David is called Bethlehem. Why, Brother Joe, read on?
1: Because he was of the house of lineage of David. So Joseph
0: was a descendant of King David. So Joseph had to return back to the city of Bethlehem, which was the city of David, to render his taxes unto Caesar. And guess who was with him? Verse 5,
1: brother. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child.
0: So she's so pregnant, brothers and sisters, that she's ready to give any day now. She's ready to give any day. Verse 6.
1: And so it was that while they were there, That day was accomplished that she should be delivered.
0: So in other words, her nine months had come. She was in her full term, and now she's ready to give birth to a Savior, brothers and sisters. Read on,
1: verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in sweltering clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So basically, Jesus
0: was born outside,
1: brothers and sisters,
0: in an outside environment. But what I want you to do, Brother Joe, is go back up to verse 1. Hold verse 8, because that's where we left off at verse 7. We're going to go to uh, verse 8. But go back up to verse 1. I want to show the people something.
1: And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree, from Caesar Augustus, that all the world shall be text.
0: So, brothers and sisters, what year was Jesus born in? Well, let's find out. Let's do a little research now. Let's do a little historical record right here. Let's do a little bit of a historical record. Y'all see that? Let's find out the year that Jesus was born in. It says right here, Caesar Augustus, is considered by many people in today's world to have been one of the most brilliant tax strategists in the Roman Empire. While Caesar Augustus was ruling Rome, he ensured that the publicans were not used for collecting, collection taxes for the central government. Instead, he handed the reins over to the cities. However, the big question many people ask is why did Caesar do taxation? The reason is by 5 CE, military expenditure had increased too much that the Roman legion's income could not keep up with the expenses. This is the time when Caesar Augustus decided to tax the Roman Empire. And passed a decree to this effect. Now, we just read in the book of Luke, the second chapter, that Caesar Augustus sent out a decree. And we're reading the historical record of what that decree was and when it was ultimately telling you the year that Jesus was born. It says right here, during this period, there was no tax plan. Instead, a military treasury was used, which Augustus made a contribution himself and promised to do every year. Voluntary contributions from other kinds and certain communities, however, he did not take any money from private citizens. These contributions were very little in comparison to the expenses. So although he tried to keep these taxes In government and in corporations or in companies, it still didn't make up the amount of money that he needed to to finance his army. So now we get to the regular citizens. Now we get to Joseph. Now we get to the year that Jesus was born. Now we get the circumstances surrounding Joseph and Mary coming back into Bethlehem, the city of his forefather, David. To be taxed. It said, therefore, to overcome the difference between the contributions and expenses, Augustus established a 5% tax on inheritance. This tax was levied on anything that was left by people at the death to anyone. This tax was not paid if the inheritors were spouses. So, in other words, if you were just a widow, you were good children, or very poor. This led to the Roman emperor conducting a wide scale census to register transferable assets like land and establishing a record of genealogies of different families spread across the empire, brothers and sisters. So in five, again, In 5 CE, he sent out the decree, and he tried to do it, brothers and sisters, with the government. So by 6 CE, that's the time that Joseph made that journey back into Bethlehem, brothers and sisters. So we can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that according to history, Jesus was born between 5 CE and 6 CE. Again, between 5 CE and 6 CE is the year that Jesus, Yahshua, our Lord and Savior, was born. All you got to do is do your research, brothers and sisters. We can't be lazy Christians. We're going
1: to go ahead and pick this thing back up at verse 8, brothers, uh, Brother Joe. And they were in the same country shepherds aiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. So,
0: this shows you, brothers and sisters, that it wasn't in December, it wasn't time when Mary gave birth, because there were still shepherds, as this says, abiding in the field. Shepherds don't abide in the field in the wintertime. It's too cold, brothers and sisters. It says that there were shepherds, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock. Continue at verse 9.
1: And, lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and, uh, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were so afraid. So here it is, the
0: angels coming to these shepherds, about to give them some information. Now, brothers and sisters, these shepherds were Israelites. Because we can read you another place in this Bible where angels don't give information to nobody but Israelites. And if you're not an Israelite, an angel will come to you, but he will only come to you to send you to an Israelite. So that an Israelite can explain to you what the angel and God wants you to know. So there was no Gentile that we found in this book that received revelation from God through an angel. All the Europeans, all the Gentiles that we read about in this book, and you can go to Acts, the 10th chapter yourself, when the angel came to Cornelius, this Caucasian Gentile out of Italy, the angel didn't give him information. The angel just said, go seek Simon. One whose surname is Peter, and he would tell you all to do. Well, if the angel is the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's job is to lead and guide you into all understanding, then why could the angel not tell Cornelius in Acts the tenth chapter what he wanted them to know? But he told the shepherds here in Luke the second chapter, and we're gonna read it. Luke the second chapter, verse ten, my brother.
1: And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day the city of David, Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Unto you is born this day. He didn't say December the 25th, brothers and
0: sisters. So if it ain't here, that means somebody added to the word of God. And you got to be careful with those who add to the word of God, because once you add, you actually take away. It says, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Verse 12.
1: And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swelling clothes, laying in a manger.
0: Brothers and sisters, a manger is basically outside with a covering over it. This was not the wintertime. The baby wouldn't have been outside in the wintertime, brothers and sisters. The shepherds wouldn't have been outside in the wintertime. The sheep wouldn't have been outside in the wintertime. So what does this mean? In the words of Malcolm X, you've been had. You've been took. You've been hoodwinked. You've been led astray. You've been run amok, brothers and sisters. And we still haven't read about any wise men. But on the scenes of every church, in the homes, in their front lawns, you have a baby lying in a manger, with three wise men in the picture. The wise men are not in the picture at this time. Let's go ahead and read a little bit further, my brother. Um, verse 13 and
1: 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good, good will towards men so we go down a little bit further brothers and sisters
0: and it says that the angel uh, that the shepherds finally said to one another let us go and check check out who this is that these angels are talking about Let let us let us go and check this thing out so now for the sake of time my brother um Let's go ahead. Man, this is just too good, really, to pass up. Uh, let's go ahead. Skip verse 15. Let's go to verse 16 through
1: 19. Let's go, brother. And they came with, hes- he- with Hesitant and found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in the manger. Mm-hmm. And when they had seen it, they made known aboard and saying which was told them concerning this child in other words they hurry up they came with haste
0: and found mary and joseph and the baby lying in the manger and then they proceeded to tell mary and joseph what they had heard from the angels brothers and sisters all this information that the angels gave them they did they then and these israelite shepherds these men they in return started giving this information to Joseph and Mary.
1: And verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. hmm And then the shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Verse 21, last one. And when the eighth days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So here it is now. The name Jesus
0: comes into play. It had already been here, but it had came into play, brothers and sisters. Here it is, you have the name Jesus, and I know a lot of people have a problem with the name Jesus, brothers and sisters, and we have a whole lesson on that by itself, and we have no problem with the name Yeshua, Isis, we have no problem with those names, those names are his name as well, but he also went by name Jehovah, and he also went by the name I am that I am, and he also went by titles like Lord God. And he also went by Emmanuel. And at one point, he even went by the name Melchizedek, brothers and sisters. But this Bible that we read says that my name shall be great amongst the Gentiles. So everywhere you go, where well, there are Caucasian people which come out of Europe, which come out of that son, Japheth, one of the sons of Noah. So you can only be a Gentile if you come out of Japheth. If you are African, and you come out of Ham, you are not a Gentile. If you come out of Shem and you're an Israelite or any of those things, in Arab, you are not a Gentile. You're only a Gentile if you come out of Japheth. And these Europeans, these Caucasians that come out of Europe, brothers and sisters, he said, my name shall be great amongst them. So when you say the name Yeshua, these Gentile Caucasian folks in Europe, that don't move them. When you say the name Isis, because at one point the J didn't exist. It was an I. And at one point the J didn't exist. It was a Y. The J only came into existence not too long ago. And we understand that. We bear witness to that. But if you mention Jehovah, you mention Emmanuel, you mention Melchizedek, you mention Esau, you mention Yeshua, all the names that we accept as his name, none of those names are great amongst the Gentiles. The only name on earth that's great amongst the Gentiles, brothers and sisters, is the name of Jesus. And by that name, every tongue shall confess. And every knee shall bow, brothers and sisters. We're going to go ahead and continue. I want to show you something real quick. Jesus went missing, y'all. This this is tripped out right here. Did you know that Jesus went missing? They didn't have no Amber Alerts going on back then. But Jesus went missing. And not only did he go missing, Jesus was missing for three days. Let's go ahead and find out what happened to Jesus, that his mother and his father couldn't find him. They went looking for him. They couldn't find this boy for three days. Now, let's go ahead and find out. This is just something I just wanted to add to the equation because we don't hear about this too much. Jesus needed an Amber Alert because his mother and his father couldn't find him. He had went missing. So, let's find out about The missing baby, Jesus. Let's find out about him. Uh, Let's start at Luke 2 and 41. Luke 2 and 41. Now,
1: his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of uh, Passover.
0: Now, Passover is this Monday coming up. Jesus' his parents kept the Feast of the Passover. Jesus kept the Feast of the Passover. The question is, are you and I going to keep the Feast of the Passover? It didn't say Easter Sunday. It didn't say Easter because that was a man-made pagan holiday. But God's feast day was the Passover, brothers and sisters. And if you need to know a place where you can go to keep the Passover, I will give you that location, brothers and sisters. Um you can look into the Israel of God in Riverdale if you want to keep the feast of the Passover Monday night, which is a commandment for all Christians. If you are a Christian, you must do this day the Passover.
1: Luke two and forty two. And when what and when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Continue. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus turned behind in Jerusalem and Joseph, and his mother knew not of it. So in
0: other words, Jesus had fell back behind them. He was walking with them, uh, he tarried behind them. And it got to the point where they lost sight of him. Mother turned around, Jesus gone. You know, I've read other accounts of Jesus as a teenager, um, which which say that he was a bad child, but that's not biblical. But it's just kind of funny that Jesus probably more than likely was an average teenager, with the exception of he had knowledge, even at 12 years old, of the word of God. But you can imagine Jesus as a teenager, because you got teenagers, brothers and sisters. So again, he was a flesh and blood human being when he came through Mary. So imagine teenagers. You can't really talk to them. You can't really tell them nothing. They got a mind of their own. And it starts around 12 years old. So it says that he tarried behind, <clears throat> behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and Mary didn't really know where he was. They had lost Jesus. Luke 2 and 44, let's read what that says.
1: But they supp- supposing, supposing him to have been in the company went days, journeys, as they sought him among their kinfolks and acquaintance.
0: So in other words, brothers and sisters, they figured, well, Jesus went to go visit some of his cousins, went to go visit some of his family members. So they took a day's journey to try to go to their family member's house to see if they could find Jesus there. But look, when they got to their cousin's house to see if Jesus was there, he's already missing a day. How do you think his mother felt? She was worried about him. This boy ain't got nothing to eat. I don't know where he at. I can't find him. Where is baby Jesus? I can't find him. Let me go check and see if he's at his cousin's house. Verse 45.
1: And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. Continue. And it came to pass. That after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions.
0: So after three days, brothers and sisters, they finally run up on this boy. What would you do if your child had been missing for three days? Didn't tell you where he was going. You looking for him, you worried about him. First thing you in the boy, if he ain't dead, I'm going to kill him. They went up on Jesus, and look at what the mother had to say to her son after she found him in the midst of the doctors who was both listening to him, and he was asking them questions, and they were astonished at 47 at his understanding and answers. But let's look at verse 48
1: and see what Mary said to him. Luke 2 and 48. And when they saw him, they was amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why has it thou you dealt with us? Behold, thy father, I have, I have, I have, lost, I have sought
0: thee sorrowing. So brothers and sisters, they said, man, we was upset. We was in our emotional feelings. We was hurt. Because we thought that something had happened to you, Jesus. Where was you at? Why would you do us like that? Why would you just up and disappear on us and we don't know where you at, boy, and you've been missing for three days? Why would you do something like that to us? Me and your daddy been looking for you. And Jesus basically said that, hey, Joseph is your husband, but he ain't my daddy. Let's look at what Jesus said in verse
1: 49. And he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? which Whist you not that I must be about my father's business? So which father was he talking about? He couldn't have been talking about Joseph. He said,
0: how is it that you're looking for me? Don't you know that I must be about my father? father's business? I can't, I I ain't got time, mama, to be following you and Joseph around. I got to be about my father's business because, see, my father got a job for me to do. And this is the time that I must begin to prepare for. Although I'm 12 years old, I got a big responsibility on my shoulders because I got great power, and with great power comes great responsibility. In the words of Uncle Ben from Spider-Man. Brothers and sisters, let's go ahead and continue. So, there is no biblical record that we have of what happened to Jesus between 12 years old and 30 years old. But we do know one thing, brothers and sisters, that Well, let's go ahead to Matthew, the fourth chapter. Matthew, the fourth chapter. Turn your Bibles to Matthew, the fourth chapter. And if you just tuned in, you tuned in to the Bible Show Truth Hour here on POET Radio. We're on live every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. This is part five of our lesson, For God So Loved the World. This is called God Fulfills His Promise. If you want to go back and hear the other lessons, make sure you like this group page the Truth Hour Bible Show, or go to our YouTube channel, the Bible Show Truth Hour. Now, brothers and sisters, we're going to go to Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse 12, because, see, we got to find out a couple of things here, brothers and sisters. we got to find out a couple of things. Mm, why do I want to start at, Brother Joe? Let me see. Verse 12, verse 12. Let me see. we We covered that. We covered that. Let's, let's do this, um, Brother Joe. Let's go back to the book of Genesis because, again, we have no record of what happened to Jesus from 12 years old to 30 years old. There's nothing in this Bible that tells you what went on in Jesus' life. But we do know that at 30 years old, Jesus began to start his ministry. Now, if he knew so much, why couldn't he have started his ministry before 30 years old? Why, brothers and sisters? Because it is one of God's laws. It is one of his commandments that you cannot start a ministry until you are 30 years old. What does that tell us about John the Baptist? It would appear in the stories that we have seen that John the Baptist had been ministering and baptizing people for years before Jesus came to him. But John the Baptist, according to this book called the Bible, is only six months older than Jesus. So what John was doing, the Baptist, he was only doing six months before he baptized Jesus. That's what you call righteously dividing the word of God, brothers and sisters. Let's go to the book of Genesis 41 and 46. Let's read about this law that God had put on the books that you cannot be a minister until you are at least 30 years old. Genesis 41
1: and 46. Go ahead and read, my brother. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh king of Egypt. Continue. And Joseph sorry, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the lands of Egypt.
0: So here it is, brothers and sisters. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land, land of Egypt. So he started his work under Pharaoh at 30 years old. Let's go ahead and read the book of Numbers, the fourth chapter. Let's see if we can find out where else in this Bible it says that you don't start your ministry until 30 years old, brothers and sisters. You don't start your ministry until 30 years old. We're trying to show you that Jesus or why Jesus didn't start his ministry, brothers and sisters, until he was 30 Years old. Let's see if we can find this in the book of Numbers, the fourth chapter. Let's see if we can find this up in here. And we, we we're going to skip some um spaces for the sake of time, brothers and sisters. Um it it is so much in this chapter. Let's go ahead and start at verse
1: three. Numbers four and verse three. I'm thirty years old and upward even until 50 years old all that entered into host to be to do the work in the tabernacle a congregation so
0: it says if you enter into the tabernacle of the congregation it says from 30 years old upward into 50 and at verse 4 it says this shall be the service of the sons of Kohath. So the sons of Kohath couldn't start their ministry until the age of 30, brothers and sisters, until the age of 30. Let's find out who else in this book um, couldn't start their ministry until the age of 30. That was 1st 3. Let's go ahead and pick this up, Brother Joe. Uh, let's do it at verse... Hmm. Twenty-two
1: and twenty-three. Take also sons of the sons of Garrison throughout the house of their fathers by their families. From thirty years old and upward until fifty years old shall thy numbers them all that enter into performing the service to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation,
0: So brothers and sisters, to perform the service of the work, they had to be thirty years old before they could enter into the congregation. Let's read about another group of of of, of priests. Uh, verse twenty nine and verse thirty. The sons of Merari. Twenty nine and thirty. And thirty. As for the sons of Merari, go ahead, my brother.
1: As for the sons of Merari, thou shalt number them after their families by the house of their fathers. From 30 years old and upward, even unto 50 years old, shall thou number them, everyone that enters into the, into the service to do the work of the tabernacle Don't of we the read. With.
0: So we read again. You got to be 30 years old. Give me a la- Give me um one last one in the book of numbers. Numbers 40. 40- Numbers 4 and 35, Numbers 4 and 35, you got to be 30 years old for those churches who are making pastors out of 21-year-olds and 25 years old and 27-years-olds, they are in violation of the word of God, brothers and sisters. They're doing their own thing. They got to read the book. You can't do your own thing when you are a shepherd leading God's flock. Numbers
1: 4 and verse 35. From 30 years old and upwards even unto 50 years old, everyone that enters into the service for the work in the, taben- the tabernacle of the congregation.
0: Scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture tells you why Jesus could not start his ministry until he was 30 years old. Let's go to Second Samuel. 2 Samuel 5, Second Samuel chapter 5, four. verse 4. Let's read about David. David was a man after God's own heart. Jesus came through the lineage of David. Let's see if David started his ministry before 30 years old, or was he in compliance with the law? 2 Samuel 5 and verse 4. 2 Samuel 5 and verse 4.
1: David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. Even David, brothers and sisters, even
0: David was 30 years old. Jesus was 30 years old. Joseph was 30 years old. All the families of the men that were priests in the book of Numbers, the fourth chapter, was 30 years old. Ezekiel 1, my brother. We're almost done, brothers and sisters. Ezekiel 1 and 1. Ezekiel 1 and... Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. Let's let's skip that for the sake of time because we only got a a couple of minutes left. Let's go to the book of John. We're going to close this thing out, brothers and sisters. We're talking about God's promise fulfilled. Okay? So he promised that a son would be born. He promised that that son would be born by a virgin. He also promised that that son would be born in Bethlehem. He also promised that eventually this son would have a government upon his shoulders. But this was the conflict of the Jews during that day because they didn't understand that Jesus had a dual mission. Yeah, he's still going to have a government upon his shoulders. And yeah, he's still going to rule this entire earth and become king of kings and lord of lords. But his first mission was to be a sacrifice to redeem men from the fall of Adam, brothers and sisters. And that's why this Bible says that the lamb was slain from the beginning of the world. Because the day that God made man, within that first thousand years, Adam had sinned. And from the moment Adam had sinned, the lamb had to be killed to redeem man because animals could only cover the sin of men. But the blood of Jesus could take away and forgive the sin of men. John 6
1: and 1. John 6 and 1. After these things, Jesus went over the sea of Galilee. Which is the seat of Tiberius? Uh, and go, go ahead, my brother. Let me continue on with. Yeah. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracle, which he did on them. That was this. So
0: basically, let me set this thing up for the sake of time. Jesus is beginning to reveal himself to the people to the public, brothers and sisters. He's beginning to do miracles. He's beginning to do these great things. He's beginning to speak the word of God from his father to the people whom he had come to. He's beginning to do great things, brothers and sisters. But something is happening right now because the more popular that you become, the more you pull people towards you, the more that spirit of Satan is going to come out of those who are watching you because they're thinking in their minds, Who in the hell do he think he is? And yeah, brothers and sisters, this is hell that we living in. Who in this hell does this man think he is? We know his mother. We know his father. Why is he saying all this stuff? John 6, and go down, brothers and sisters, brother um, Joe, for the second time, to verse 26. 6.
1: 26. Jesus answered them. Go ahead, my brother. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracle, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because of the miracles, like you
0: said, but because you did eat of the loaves. I'm feeding the multitude with bread and fish. And then he goes on down again, brothers and sisters, for the sake of time. And then he begins to tell them things, brothers and sisters, that they could not conceive. Let's go ahead to verse 35. Here's where Jesus began to start getting in trouble with those who were watching him during his day. John 6 and 35.
1: And Jesus said unto them, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh and shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst.
0: So, brothers and sisters, if you come to me,
1: you're not going to hunger. If
0: you believe on me, you're not going to ever be thirsty. What are we talking about? Are we talking about food and drink? No, brothers and sisters. We're talking about knowledge of the Word of God. Anything that you're seeking and searching and looking for in the Word of God, as long as you come to me, I'm going to make sure that you know this information.
1: Let's go ahead and continue at verse 36. But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. Continue. And all that the Father giveth shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will and no what ways case out so in other words brothers and sisters if god
0: is drawing you to the word of god to, to 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 jesus during that time he's not going to throw you out because his job is to accept anyone that the father sent to him brothers and sisters the father has to draw you to him he has to Draw us to his word, brothers and sisters, and if we're drawn to his word, we're going to be accepted. Let's go ahead and read at verse 38
1: through 40. For I I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. I got to stop right there, Joe, because
0: any man that tells you that he came down from heaven, you're going to look at him like he's crazy. What you mean you came down from heaven? you going to start talking. Did you hear what this man just said, that he came down from heaven? This man must be crazy. must be drunk or something. He must be high. What do you mean he came down from heaven? Continue, my brother.
1: 13. And this, for, all, for I come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of mine, of him that sent me. Verse 39. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me that of all which he hath given me. I should lose nothing, but should arise up again at the last day. So, brothers and sisters,
0: this is the problem that I have when, when I go to funerals. And they say that my loved one is looking down on me smiling. Well, that's not biblical, and that's not the word of God, because we just read right here that Jesus said, all that the Father has given me, I shall not lose nothing. In other words, my brother, my son, my father, who have all died and gone, they not lost, but they not up in heaven looking down on me smiling either, because the last day ain't here, so there has been no resurrection. Jesus said, but I should raise it up again at the last day. When does the last day happen, brothers and sisters? The last day happens at the return of Christ. So if Christ hasn't returned, the last day has not come yet. And if the last day has not come yet, then nobody has been raised. So the church that's teaching these things, they got to stop lying to the people. Your loved ones have not been raised. They have not been resurrected yet. That's Jesus' job to do when he comes back. So let them rest. Let them lie in their graves and in their plots. Let them rest, brothers and sisters, until the last day. Read at verse 40 again, my brother.
1: And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes, on him may have everlasting life and will arise him up the, at the last days. So everyone that
0: sees him and believes him, you're going to have everlasting life, brothers and sisters. but let me ask you a question: do you think that you can live forever in this flesh and blood body? No, brothers and sisters, this body cannot live forever. It is earth, brothers and sisters, walking earth. So the earth has to go back to the earth. But once the body goes back to the earth, we are resurrected into a new body, a spiritual body that cannot die. That's why Satan and his angels that fell and were kicked out of heaven with them are still around because spirit don't die, brothers and sisters. So how are you going to live forever, in everlasting life? You must be resurrected after You suffer death. But the Lord said, don't worry about those of your loved ones who have died. I'm going to raise them up again at the last day. Why don't these preachers teach this right here? Some, I'm not talking about all. Why don't we hear this at the funerals? That your loved one who has passed, brothers and sisters, don't worry about it. Because Jesus said that he's going to resurrect them, and he's going to raise them up again when the last day comes. The last day is not here yet, brothers and sisters, but when Jesus comes back, that'll be the last day. And, and your loved one that's lying in his casket right now, they're going to be raised up and resurrected at the last day, brothers and sisters. And that's only half of the story because there are actually two resurrections. The first resurrection takes place when Jesus comes back. The second resurrection is a 1,000 years after Jesus' reign. On your own time, read Revelation the 20th chapter. Both resurrections are in that chapter. We're closing this thing out, brothers and sisters. Now, here it is at verse 43. Read that, Brother Joe.
1: Jesus. Therefore answered, and said unto them, We are not among yourselves.
0: So, in other words, after Jesus said all this stuff in verse 41, it says that the Jews then murmured at him. They was talking about him behind his back, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. So the Jews had a problem with that. So Jesus, at verse 43, said, Don't be talking about being behind your back. You ain't got to do that. I'm right here. At verse 44, read that. Now, we read the last day twice. Let's see if we can read it again. John 6 and 44.
1: No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me for join him, and I will raise him up at the last day.
0: We read three times in this chapter what Jesus is saying, that you can't even come to me unless the Father sends you to me. And if anything should happen to you, I'm not going to lose you. The grave can't even keep you from me because I'm going to raise you up again, not as soon as you die, but at the last day. Brother Joe, it's so much here. We got to go on, but I want, I want to show people something that everybody that's hanging around you right now ain't going to be with you because some can't conceive the vision that God gave you in your mind. But don't worry about that because you got to expect it to happen that way. You got to expect it to come. Jesus had more than 12 disciples, brothers and sisters. But after he said, I came down from heaven, I am the bread of life. Let's find out what happened to a lot of the majority of his disciples, the majority of his disciples, when he said, I came down from heaven, and I am the bread of life. Let's find out what happened to the majority of his disciples. John 6 and 66. John 6
1: and 66. Let's read. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him.
0: Many of his disciples went back and didn't even walk with him no more. Did you know that Jesus had more than 12 disciples? See, brothers and sisters, after the pressure got on them, 12 remained. Let's read about that, Brother Joe, at verse 67.
1: Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? Brothers and sisters,
0: all these disciples that Jesus had, they left them, and only twelve remained. So when Jesus said, y'all don't leave me, Peter said, at verse 68 and 69, where we going to go, Lord? You got the words of eternal life, and we believe and assure that you are that Christ, the Son of Of the living God. We're going to close out with this, brothers and sisters. There's always a devil somewhere in your inner circle. Out of all the disciples that Jesus had. And out of the 12 that he had remaining after everybody else left. Look at what Jesus said to the 12 that was left. Because, see,
1: one going to stay just to disrupt
0: what God gave you to build. I'm talking to you right now who's watching this. Somebody's in your circle only there to interrupt what God put in you to build. Let's see what he said to the twelve that was left. Everybody gone. Why come? Let, let's 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 read it. John six and
1: seventy. Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? Jesus knew, brothers and sisters, that
0: there was one amongst the twelve who was planted there. To do a specific job. To commit a specific crime. He knew that, brothers and sisters, and he allowed him to stay in the inner circle so that he could do the job that he was born into the world to do. Which was to give up the son of God, brothers and sisters. Somebody in your circle is a devil. I hate to tell you like that. But that's just... Common fact. Somebody doesn't have your best interest at heart. But because you're wrapped up in the word of God and because Jesus is our Lord and Savior, even with that one devil in our inner circle, brothers and sisters, they cannot stop us from doing the work that God put in us to do. God fulfills his promise, brothers and sisters. Thank all of you all for calling in. For listening in, for watching on Facebook Live, for watching on YouTube, brothers and sisters. This has been part five of our series for God So Love the World. First, um, cha- um, the, the first part for God So Love the World. The second part, Jesus Checks Out His Creation Up Close. The third part, God's Feast Days versus men Holidays. The fourth part, Religion versus Spirituality. And today's show, God. Fulfills this promise. He sent his son into the world, he a sacrifice. He pointed out that it was one amongst the twelve whose job it was to make sure that he would be that sacrifice. And on next week's show, brothers and sisters, we're going to talk about the Passover, the sacrificial lamb. From Egypt. To Jerusalem, brothers and sisters, please share this video, share this message right now. I thank you for listening. I pray that you were glorified, uh, that you were edified, and that God was glorified on tonight's show. And I pray that these words that we read out of this book, brothers and sisters, touch you in some kind of way to spark you and I to make changes that we have not made yet. And I pray these things in God's son, Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go ahead and go to our phone lines, brothers and sisters, and find out what uh, brothers and sisters on tonight's show thought about tonight's lesson. uh, God's promise for